The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Happy Wednesday, guys. Welcome to the Quirky Dog. Today, we have one of our friends and one of our very valued guests coming on to talk about canine rehabilitation. We haven't really done a rehab episode yet, and we figured, why not have our own canine rehabilitation person on? But first, we're going to start with the Quirky Tip of the Day. All right, my quirky tip this week, you guys, is as we head closer to the holidays, this is going to be the only time I have a New England-specific one. Everything else has been regional and, you know, international and whatever you guys want to buy. But if you live within New England, I want you guys to check out the super special code that Dawn gave us last year. Dawn Gagey was on the podcast. It will be linked in the description for her portrait couture session with dogs. Uh, Chrissy's throwing a few images up that I did with my dogs last summer. It was an amazing experience. Honestly, this is the most affordable pricing I've ever seen Dawn offering her services for. The code that she offered on our podcast originally is good through the end of December, so 123123. And Dawn sent an email out that this will be her last year doing pet portraits, so I don't know if dogs are going to be welcome in the studio anymore. So if you are within New England, within driving distance from Princeton, Mass., I highly, 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 highly recommend that you check this out. There will be a QR code for that. Uh, contact form on the website, and there will be a link for the uh, contact form in the description and the show notes. Okay, so without further ado, we are welcoming on Dimitra Kofitsis. I had to practice her name, but I got it down. I'm feeling good about it. And uh, she is a CCRP. She owns Tales of Rye out of Rye, New Hampshire. And we've known Demetra for what? Almost 10 years, I feel like. We've been going for a while. Yeah, yeah. I guess almost, I guess it was at the tail end of your basketball career that we <laughs> finally met you. <laughs> yeah, that, that was quite a while ago. <laughs> so, Demetra, welcome. Um, tell us a little bit about how all this came to be, that you switched from humans to dogs and a bit about Tales of Rye and everything else. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I switched. Um, I was about 10 years into doing human physical therapy, and I was, believe it or not, uh, getting a little burnt out and looking for some other alternatives. And um, uh, continuing ed uh, sheet came across my desk talking about canine rehab, and I was like, what is this? Yeah. And at the time, I was um, starting to apply to vet schools and you know, figured I was in the wrong profession and type of thing. And, uh, I took one of the first courses that the university of Tennessee offered and it was, uh, I hit the ground running right after that. I loved it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Um, I don't have to deal with people or insurances (laughs) or the bureaucracy of, you know, healthcare. And I can, uh, you know, get dogs better without having to be a veterinarian and and getting into debt. Yeah. And and really, I mean, we invited you on this podcast because we know you and we wanted to have you on. But within the midst of this, Jimmy has now had a TPLO. And it turns out that like the rehab is the bread and butter of like dogs getting better. Like you guys are kind of the miracle workers of this whole situation. You know what I mean? A surgeon are super important and aftercare is super important, but like rehab is where the magic happens to get dogs up and running again. So you kind of have this like very important role. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is, especially if they're, um, you know, into any type of sport, you know, they're sporting dogs and that type of thing. But even, um, you know, pet parents, regular pet parents that are wanting to, you know, get back to the, the activities that they were used to with their dogs and that type of thing. Uh, rehab is an important aspect of that. Yeah, of 100%. Yeah. And you've had Tales of Rye for almost 20 years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's this great facility. She's super busy, so if you guys are in the area, yes, of course, reach out to her. But I, I, I hate to tell everyone the people I like because I don't want <laughs> they're already overbooked. Well, we don't want to make it difficult for us to get an appointment. <laughs> I know, but it's this great facility, <laughs> um, right on your property. You guys have multiple people working there now. A bunch of rooms. I mean, it's a pretty smooth operation. There's a lot of coming and going throughout the day, every single day. Yeah, there is. Uh, We've got uh, two other physical therapists who are also CCRPs. Uh, We have uh, Becca, who's been with us for over 10 years now, who is also um, getting her uh, rehab tech um, uh, as well. And uh, yeah, we're it's a pretty smooth operation and we are we are very busy. Yeah. So what do you do deal with most? I mean, I know TPLOs, this knee surgery that we just went through ourselves is a big one. What other kind of common things do you see with your patients? Yeah, I mean, most commonly, we probably see IVDDs, which are intervertebral disc disease. Um, in simple terms, uh, you know, herniated discs that dogs may suffer. Um, a lot of different shoulder um, type rotator cuff injuries, um, hip dysplasia, uh, you name it. Anything in the human world yeah, that we like, deal with. Yeah, sounds like you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Rotator cuff, the back. (laughs) All these things. So do dogs always have to like go the surgery route before they see you? Or do you guys kind of sometimes intervene on the front end? What does that whole process look like? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Sometimes we're seeing a patient and something crops up, you know, type of thing. And we're the first responders in a sense um, to see something uh, and whatnot. And yeah, then we'll refer them out to, you know, the appropriate uh, either a neurologist or back to their primary cares um, and that type of thing. But um, for the most part, we're referral based, you know, type of thing. But yes, on the occasion that happens. Yeah. And as far as like people that, cause surgery is expensive. I mean, we're living the dream right now. Yeah. Are there some people that sometimes can't do surgery and then they only do rehab or there's normally like an intertwined like situation? Uh, going on? Absolutely. We have, um, we're getting a lot more people that yes, it is expensive and they're, you know, trying to figure out other alternatives and that sort of thing. So yes, we have, you know, comprehensively done a medical management of, uh, you know, different types of uh, injuries that uh, we can get away with not doing surgery, but some of them. uh, Yeah. There's no option. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 And you guys offer other treatments there as well. I mean, I know you pull out the ultrasound machine, the stim machine, laser machine. I mean, you have other modalities as well. So can you touch on that a little bit with how you integrate that into the practice and into appointments? Oh, sure. Yes. Um, I mean, laser is probably the most common buzzword that people know. Um, to help with, you know, circulation and that type of thing. Ultrasound, uh, therapeutic ultrasound kind of works on the opposite concept of laser where it uses heat rather than cold, uh, to help promote healing. Um, E-STEM, we kind of target muscles to help strengthen and that type of thing. We do a lot of specific, uh, therapeutic exercises and then ultimately the underwater treadmill, which everybody knows about. (laughs) I think that's how we found you. We were, I'm I'm probably mistaken. I'll see what his story is with how we found you. This will be interesting. (laughs) We were going somewhere, excuse me, that had an underwater treadmill and then they either discontinued it or they were far away. 
<clears throat> and Jess was looking for yeah. where the heck can we find an underwater well, treadmill and it was around after here. I was I even had... looking at them like a used one was like yeah. 35 grand or something. I was looking <laughs> yeah. at these things. We weren't that we weren't in that deep at that point. But Sink had had stem cell at VOSM for her iliosoas. She had some micro tears yeah. going on. And I was doing a lot of rehabbing in the area. And, you know, we love a lot of New England rehab. It's not that... But you were super, you weren't even that close at that point. We were farther away from you. But um, I had seen you in your facility, and I just liked Demetra a lot personally too. We just clicked, and yeah, I mean, it's been about ten years, I'd say, because Sink's going to be thirteen. Um, yeah. And yeah. we've been coming with multiple dogs. She's seen all of our dogs. She's like the only person besides our vet that's met Cousteau. Like she's done stuff with each and every dog. Yeah. And as stuff pops up, it's just nice to have a resource with someone who you trust, with someone who, you know, has your dog's records on yeah. file, has previous measurements of their muscle mass and seeing that, how it changes over time. And yeah, it's definitely been a long-term relationship. Yeah, yeah it uh, really has. And the, uh, there was another location that we uh, were going to before we met you that didn't have an underwater treadmill, but they had an actual pool inside their facility, and they would take the dog in for a controlled swim, a therapeutic yeah. swim, if you want to call yeah, it that. Yeah, but the benefits of underwater treadmill are just super unmatched. So can you touch on that a bit? Because you guys even have two now, right? You guys are like high end. We do, yeah. You guys, well, are, you're making way so- too much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was COVID discounts. Now Stop. <laughs> Uh, totally. Yeah. Uh, we just got very busy and, um, yeah, we just figured, you know, why don't we just, you know, get another one so that we don't have to kind of share a room in a sense. And, uh, the underwater treadmill allows you to do so many different things like play around with the water levels, um, you know, for buoyancy and that type of thing, depending on where the injury is. Um, we have an incline on ours, we have jets that give more resistance. Um, so it's basically, you know, if you think of walking in water, the buoyancy of the water takes away the impact and, but the resistance of the water is what builds strength. So it is a controlled way to get dogs back to functional activity, which is walking, running. Yeah. Yeah. And it's way easier for them to be walking with the pool than to be on actual surfaces and cement, especially after a major injury or a major surgery or something else. Are there some dogs that just have never taken to the underwater treadmill? Like it's just been too traumatic. Yes. Um, ironically enough, we just had a pity who just was so terrified and yeah. we tried it, but, um, but didn't. And then historically the shepherds aren't uh, the greatest. <laughs> yeah. They're a sensitive breed. Yeah, they're not, yeah. It's not their favorite scene. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. but I will That's say you, know, you, you put the dog in this, in this box with no water in it and then you start filling <laughs> right. up the water. So the natural, you know, logical thing is I'm going to drown in here eventually. It's yeah. just going to keep going exactly. up and up. Yeah. Well, and you guys are in there with the dog as well. So we it's are. not like the dog is there alone, but it is, it is a little bit yeah. much for a dog mm-hmm. at first to acclimate to and understand and everything else. My dog, my female sink is bad shit about it she's got to hold a ball in her mouth because she just wants to like play with well, the water and the, the toy whole thing. dogs yeah. yeah the dogs that are into the toys it's easy to just give them something to hold on to and they're just like oh, totally there any stress is going right into the toy <laughs> yeah you know yeah. absolutely yeah oh yeah we have little paraphernalia of toys and stuffies <laughs> and that type of thing for them to carry yeah, yeah. and i do want to make the point i mean not a ton of people are doing a lot of sports conditioning as much as they're doing rehab, but it also is a great thing for sport dogs as just some general conditioning, especially as you go into the winter months and everything else, there's less available to do with your dogs physically. It really does keep them in better condition than almost any other piece of equipment. As far as I'm concerned, I'm a big fan of them. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we do get uh, quite a few dogs during the wintertime who will utilize our facility for that. So yes, absolutely. Just as another outlet. So booking is tricky, not only at your facility, but at rehab places for dogs, a lot of places in this country right now. And I, what do you think that is the influx of people who got dogs? Like what, where do you think we're getting jammed up here? Because I don't feel like it always was this hard. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. And, and I was the only, we were the only uh, place in town and we kind of still are, but there are some more facilities that have popped up and that type of thing. Um, COVID, COVID, I think contributed to that. A lot of people ended up getting dogs. And so, um, that definitely contributed to it. So, um, it could be yeah, the, I, I, the the explosion of daycares too, because dogs are getting injured at daycare, yeah, running around on cement floors, that, wet cement, and all that, that stuff. That could be the case. That is true. And then yeah. with with the COVID, everyone's just staring at their dog all day, <laughs> like, "Oh, he yeah. looks like he's got a hitch in his front right. Let's bring him over yeah. to Demetrius, see what's going on." Well, I wanted to touch yeah. on this scheduling situation because if you do have something going on. Calling sooner rather than later is important. Like you don't want to wait until the vet says, oh, it'll be two weeks, you know, before you can do PT and then call like the day of two weeks and say, hey, I need to get in this week. Like I want to just make this general public service announcement that if you do have your dog going through something, the sooner you make a phone call to a local place that you trust, who has good reviews that you feel good with, the better. And that's the case for you guys, right? That is absolutely uh, very well said. Yes, always we recommend calling ahead because we are probably about two months, booked out two months now. Yeah, it's super intense. And the dogs that you see, like especially for a rehab setup, not so much for the sports conditioning, how long are you seeing them? Is it like a couple of weeks and it's over or a couple of months? It depends. Um, it depends, but I would say your TPLOs, I would say 10 to 12 weeks type of thing. And then we get the occasional, um, owner that doesn't ever want to go Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and we get these lifers that we kind of, um, just keep tabs on and make sure that they're doing well. And, uh, we have a shepherd right now who's been with us for 13 years. Yeah. Is he able to get into the underwater treadmill yet? Oh yeah. Oh, he's an outlier. <laughs> he's an out. He's a, he's a brave shepherd. But no, that's Absolutely. great from a proprioception and a neurological standpoint. Like this is important for older dogs to keep moving. Like you know, you, I'm, you have a lot of clients with DM, right? Degenerative myelopathy. Yep. So these yeah. dogs that are starting to you know not have the same sensation in their rear or their back or whatever else as time goes on, the more that we're like tapping into these neurological points, the better their quality of life is going to be for longer. And it does make a huge difference or you wouldn't have so many people that want to become lifers, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think the, uh, you know, owners see the benefit of it and they're like, wow, they've never been this good before. So they just want to continue and that type of thing, which makes it a little bit challenging for (laughs) scheduling. Yeah. We welcome it because if we can increase the dog dog's longevity, uh, we're thrilled. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say regarding the proprioceptive stuff, you know, sedentary dogs, like sedentary people, they lose so much. And uh, yeah. Jess and I went to the gym yesterday and I've been doing uh, for leg workout, doing squats. You know, we were doing these Bulgarian, Bulgarian one leg lunges, lunges right? <laughs> With one foot yeah. up on the uh, bench. That requires some balance, <laughs> requires some proprioception, yeah. right? So we hadn't done them in a while. She's like, let's go do those. I'm like, all right. The first set on each leg, I could barely do six of them and I'd be falling over. After the yeah. first set, then the brain was all dialed in and I was okay and I was doing it. But having not done it for like three weeks, all of a sudden yep. it was gone. And I can imagine the dogs, the same thing. If they're just laying on the couch all the time, 
and then you take yeah. them out to do stuff, they're like, they're more likely to get hurt because they don't have the proprioception that they used to have when they were younger. Uh, and then they sure. do stupid stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And even small little injuries can, you know, some swelling in the joints, some arthritis can interfere with that proprioception and, yeah. and whatnot. And they, so, don't, yes. and they can't tell you. They just keep pushing it until all of a sudden they're hurt, really hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're living the dream on that one, but it's okay. We got you and he's doing great and everything's awesome. What about um, the difference between like summer and winter? Being in New England, we obviously have, you know, harsher winters than some other places in the States. Do you see an influx of clients with injuries with ice and everything? Oh, yes. Most common, the iliopsoas. Yeah. Um, they slip on the ice or in the deep snow, they're pulling their limbs out. You know, they're playing and that type of thing. And they end up with these iliopsoas strains. Yeah, let's Absolutely. talk about this because we've thrown this term around now a few times on the podcast. And it was a little less common, I'd say, a decade ago when I intervened with zinc. But now it's just like the only thing we talk about, this big muscle. So can you describe the <laughs> ilio a little bit? And I just, just think of it as a stomach muscle. Well, <laughs> that's just kind of, it's underneath, you know, in there. <laughs> let her, let's let her do it. That's why we invited her on. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm it's, a layman's it's an perspective. <laughs> it's an intricate muscle because it does attach to the lumbar spine mm -hmm. and then it does cross over the joint of the knee. So it is, it does involve two different muscles that come together to, to form the iliopsoas. So, and in, in crossing different joints, you might have some hip issues in combination with some knee issues as well. Um, so yes, it is an, an intricate muscle, a lot of times, uh, people may think that, oh, there, there's something wrong with their back. Well, well, in fact, it could be an iliopsoas muscle that yeah. is strained. And it can be really painful. I mean, dogs are showing symptoms in various ways, but it's, it can be very painful Absol for the dog. Yes, absolutely. And can mimic, um, a, a cruciate tear, you yeah. know, they could hold it up. They could be roaching. Uh, there's several different ways that it can present itself. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about measuring muscle mass because it's always what Jess likes to talk about. Every time Bobby's on, we always have to talk about measuring. Um, so this is my scene. I love measuring muscle mass. Uh, this is a big thing in your industry. Why do we do it? Why does it matter? Give us a lowdown on that. Well, it is the most measurable way in order for us to figure out, like, um, sometimes dogs can compensate so well that you can't even pick up, you know, an injury or, or a dysfunction and that type of thing. But measuring muscle mass can tell you, oh, there's some favoring that's going on and that type of thing. So it's definitely a telltale sign of something is happening. Yeah. And what would you say is clinical for a difference between one limb or the other? Um, like when does that start to raise cause for concern with you guys at your practice? Yeah, because, uh, you know, there are there is a, a you know, discrepancy because some dogs can be right sided, left sided, just, yeah. like, you know, dominant on one side and that type of thing. I would say probably, you know, an inch or a couple of centimeters, I, I would start, you know, that would cue me in onto something. But there's something. an issue. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned yeah. that, that dogs don't necessarily have to show clinical signs. Because when I was having ilio issues yeah. with sync, I was getting some issues with her jumping. She wasn't extending as much, but she never yeah. limped a day in her life. And she had a two centimeter difference with her muscle mass. And she's a fairly small size border collie. So it really is a yeah. good way to key in and a good thing to follow up on. And we even did Jimmy. I went in 
when he was first injured before he had his TPLO surgery, and he was a centimeter and a half different from his weak side that he tore to his side that's still functional. So it really is a good indicator of where the dog's at and what's going on. And you guys measure front and rear, which it's important to know how the front limbs are working, how the rear limbs are working, and if they're working evenly or not, because dogs will overcompensate for a long time before something actually snaps or goes. Absolutely. Yes. And it's always nice to have that baseline too, because I have dogs that, you know, came for a TPLO, you know, even a couple of years ago, and now they're back, you know, for something else. And, you know, I have that baseline of measurements and I like to compare and I'm like, Oh, what's going on here? Why is it less or, you know, type of thing. So yeah, yeah. it is it, important. Yeah. Information. So do you find the handling a little bit challenging with dogs? Are there some dogs that have a little bit of a hard time being handled, especially with pain? How do you guys work through that? You know, my biggest thing is being patient. I get on the floor with them and I teach this to my other therapists, um, you know, get on the floor with them. And sometimes it's just when I'm doing an eval, it's all observational and the dog, when it's ready, kind of comes up to you and starts nudging you like, Hey, like, pay attention to me, you know, type of thing. Like I, I'm ready for you to make contact and that type of thing. So getting that connection is definitely super important so that they trust you. Yeah. And once you gain that trust, they just give it to you. They tell you this is what's going on. They show it to you. It's, it's incredible how, um, you know, nonverbal they are, but how communicative they are. Yeah. Well, you have good dog sense too. And I didn't even no, know. They don't teach that in vet school. <laughs> yeah, I well, think. I didn't even know yeah. you were trying to go the vet route when you switched from human PT to dog PT. But yeah. Demetra has a special way with dogs anyway. She talks the animal language pretty well. So if you have clients in, are you getting them to buy all this crap? I mean, I'm crazy. I'm like dusting off my donuts and my peanuts and my pods, you know, to get ready to rock here with Chew. But like, do people have to necessarily purchase equipment outside of rehab? Are you guys have everything there? What does that look like? We have everything here. And if someone does want to continue on and do it on their own, you know, I will, um, you know, tell them, give them the resources of where to go and that type of thing. But I mean, even with my own dogs, I do a lot of cross training. I always tell people you've got to change things up for them, like change the terrain that you're exercising them in, you know, like you can utilize a lot of different stuff without necessarily breaking the bank with buying different equipment and that type of thing. Yeah. Well, don't tell Scott you know, that. <laughs> I um, I, when when uh, it's, Jimmy was it's having, a write off. <laughs> when Jimmy was having his TPLO surgery, I was on YouTube looking up TPLO results and like you know people that have had it. You know, because a lot of people document this journey because it's such a traumatic thing. It's very expensive. Oh. It's a long process. Sure. So there was one I go on, and there's this like a uh, little pit bull type dog that went through the process. And then at the very end, when finally they were given the okay to let their dog be off leash and go play with the dog in the field. And the dog was just tearing around like a puppy, completely healthy, not favoring the bad leg anymore. And it was really an uplifting video. Then I find another one where there's huge disappointment. This was the worst <laughs> thing we ever did. And they show the, the guy the next day after the surgery the dog's off leash going up the road. And there was like a thousand comments on this. You idiot. You should have done your rehab. What are you doing letting that dog be loose? And the thing was, the guy was like six months into this thing. The dog, oh, today he's not limping. Oh, today the dog's limping again. But he never did the rehab. Like we got pretty explicit instructions about this dog is on a leash to pee and poop. He's back in his crate. He doesn't do shit for like three weeks. You yeah. know. So to just take him off leash the next day. 
is crazy uh, after su- such a yeah. extensive surgery. That you know? is an important thing to note is that yeah. even though you guys are miracle workers and do great things, you do have to follow up with your instructions. Like it's pretty important, especially with a major surgery like a TPLO to stay pretty strict to doctor's orders. Absolutely. Um, 1000%. And I usually tell people, listen, if I, you can usually tell those that are kind of lackadaisical about it. And I'm like, you just spent close to $10,000 on this surgery. Uh, why don't we, you know, rein it in here and make sure that we don't have to, you know, have any complications with this and that type of thing. And we got to follow this protocol for a short, shorter, short period of time in my thought process. Yeah. And then, you know, once rehab is done, your dog can go back to normal activities. Yeah. But, but there are some serious in. side effects if you don't follow doctor's orders, if you will. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, there are infections, uh, you know, plates can shift, you know, screws can break, you know, things of that nature, which on, uh, are on the severe end and that type of thing. But absolutely. Yes. And you can get a lot of soft tissue injuries because they're compensating, because the, the musculature is not up to par and that type of thing. Yeah, so. pushing I, too hard, you too know, fast. When I had a herniated disc, which was... <laughs> Let's talk about Scott's medical history a, a, for a bit. It's, it's yeah. very, very similar stuff, though. <laughs> she I knows mean, as well, at least. I, you know, my left leg, I was getting that drop foot, you know, and the draft, just sure. like bad um, neurological stuff in the left leg from the... The official the term. Herniated disc. <laughs> and we started going to rehab, and the guys had me doing one leg... Um, like left leg that, work yeah. and the the left leg was like nothing. It was like 10, yeah. 20% of the right leg. But, you know, because I'm married to Jess, she's <laughs> running me to the rehab place. Like we're going twice a week. We're going all over the place. She's doing, uh, what do you call it? The deep oh, the dry needling, dry needling yeah. all this crap. Well, but now, now I'm there. I'm back. He's old. You know? I didn't want him hobbling and being old. You know, we got to have to get him up and moving. But it's important to go the extra mile. And I guess that's why I wanted to bring up the point of these other modalities that you guys use. Because it's not just about going for the underwater treadmill or some range of motion. There's a lot of therapies there that provide a lot of healing and help the dogs get better. And it has to be super rewarding to see these dogs that can barely move. And then they're like night and day difference after a few weeks or a few months, right? Absolutely. It it truly is. And we do promote a lot of acupuncture. We do promote a lot of other, you know, uh, disciplines and that type of thing. I'm a true believer in in that, that sometimes rehab isn't, you know, the only thing and it's not maybe the best thing for, because we're all different, you know, and the dogs are individuals too. Um, but yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's so important. It really is to give the tissue time to heal. Yes. Yes. And then, and then build muscle. Build, build, build. Easy yes. with your building face. All right. So tell me this, because uh, we're going to be closing up here pretty soon. You're almost 20 years in. Um, what's like the highlight of your career? What is the best part of what you do? Uh, you know, what's your why? All this stuff. Tell me a little bit about um, what still um, gets you going in the morning. Gosh. Thought of, yeah. thought of retirement. <laughs> Stop. <Yeah>. Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. Quite honestly, I, you know, I have to be honest. When I was a human physical therapist, I hated getting up and going to work. I, I really, I really did. I was an unhappy person. Um, you can, you can ask my partner, Donna, but there has not been a day that I don't get up and I am like supercharged to be, th- these dogs challenge us in so many different ways. And I mean, I still tear up when I see a dog who comes in, who is, you know, paralyzed and walks out and is, uh, you know, back to walking and, and living a normal life in a sense, um, that just still 
tears me up and I, and I love it. So yeah, every day is, I am so grateful for what I do. Yeah. You guys are miracle workers. Think, We're I grateful too. People care more about their dogs than they do about themselves. That's why <laughs> oh, they won't do the absolutely. rehab for themselves, but they'll bend over backwards and drive a hundred miles for their dog. 1000%. I want to yep. touch on it real quick. Cause we talked about Costa Rica. Just talk about the monkeys and how you worked with the monkeys a few years back and that experience. Uh, Cause it's so interesting and amazing. So, yeah. So about, uh, 15 years ago, we started going to Costa Rica and we became acquainted with a woman who runs a, uh, a sanctuary there, you know, basically rehabs them and, um, and, you know, sets them free and that type of thing. And, um, in in a educational uh, seminar that we went to, she learned that I was doing rehab for dogs and and whatnot, and we became fast friends. and uh, And over the years, we've gone. We go back every year, uh, even twice a year sometimes, and we do some rehab on some of the monkeys. And I'll bring my laser, and yeah, we'll um, whatever she needs. We mo- bring supplies, whatever she needs. But it is amazing to work with these monkeys. Yeah, I'm sure. It's such an awesome life-changing experience. And not every CCRP has done it. So I had to touch on the monkey thing. Demetra, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to see you next week and every week after for God only knows how long that we're joking about that. We're like, thanks to this is the underlying part that we get to see each other. Uh, Thank you so, so much though, for what you do. And we're going to be lifers with every dog we ever own. So you're not getting rid of us anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I, I'm glad about that. And, uh, thank you so much. We'll for leave, thanks for coming show. on. We'll leave Scott at home. We won't always let him come and I'm, track I'm his need, jokes. <laughs> I'm going to need some therapy when I get there. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Demetra, thanks so much for coming on. In the meantime, keep it quirky. Thanks, guys. We had to get the pink pig. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.